My name is Anthony Capazzoli, and this is the Dismantled Life Podcast, where we share stories of hope, love, and strength from the darkness of addiction into the sunlight of sobriety. These are stories from people just like us who have lived through the pain and made it. No matter how bad it gets, just know that you can and will recover. It takes work. It takes hard work. Each week, we talk in detail about what it takes to make it, what it takes to beat your addictions. I am a recovering addict from alcohol, cocaine, and nicotine. My addiction started in eighth grade. I am now 50. I had over 40 years of very bad habits to break. I hit rock bottom hard. More than once, I nearly died. I would have left my wife and two young children behind. I've been clean and sober for nearly three years. I completely dismantled my entire life and rebuilt it from the ground up. I believe to make it in recovery, it takes a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual approach. It takes a positive mindset. It takes hard work. It takes a village. Join me weekly to learn from my sober superhero guests on the Dismantle Life podcast. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Check me out at dismantle.life. Email me at anthony at dismantle.life anytime. Please be sure to leave a rating and review anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And let me know if you want to be on the show. Happy recovery. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. Uh, I I love what you're doing, man. I love what you're doing, brother. Awesome stuff. It's just me having fun. Really, it's it's also, uh, gosh, you know, it was an effort for me when things kind of, uh, you know, with COVID started. It was my attempt to, uh, you know, stay squared away. Um, Yeah, it's... uh, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of weird. The meetings went away, and then yeah. uh, you know the masks, and you know the quarantining, and you know it was just I don't know. I was already messing around with an idea, and uh, you know, sober press just um, kind of came to mind. I bought a URL. I started designing a logo, and then just every day I was trying, you know, I, I check in with my sponsor every day with something positive or some sort of gratitude. And it's great. You know, that alone helps me, but then I'm like, wow, you know, what if I share it, you know, and I started Instagram back in August and I started building a website and then Eliza, I don't know if, if you follow her, but I do, of um, course. She was, she's been on the show. She's she's, she's, lady. Yeah, she's miracles of recovery. She's amazing. She's been on your show. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, she's, she's an amazing, amazing woman. She reached out to me and wanted to tell her story. And you know, my stories are not any kind of podcast or anything. It's just, you know, something you can read when whenever you got a moment. And uh I dig it though. Yeah, man. I love the format. All I, love I love I love yeah she she's amazing absolutely yeah. love what you're doing I, I i dig the first of all i like the instagram approach i think it's awesome because you get a little sound bite of recovery every day and i dig that and it's a positive momentum i and i love the like i say the format that you deliver it, it it's very well done it really really is so first of all i was honored to be a part of it so thank you and uh, oh you're welcome thank you you know it's awesome to Actually, to me, I feel like it's uh, a big collaborative community and we're stronger together, you know. No doubt. Camilla no doubt. Says, and, you know, a lot of other people that I interact 
with in, in, within our community say that we're stronger together. And I think oh, hundred percent. It, it really does. We are. It does indeed take a village, man. And, and I, and I love the server community, as you say, uh, I've been so blessed to have so many great, I call them super sober superheroes on my show. And I love mm-hmm. having them on and telling their story. And I started the show to, uh, serve the community at large. And I do that very proudly. And I, I do it to help people find, stay on or get back on the path to recovery and sobriety. But I have to say, I feel guilty every week. I think I get more out of doing the show than my listeners or my guests. And I kind of feel bad about it sometimes, but um, that, I'll yeah, live honestly, with that. I, I, yeah, that is a good thing to live with. In fact, you know, at first I'm, I, you know, it was like this quandary. Am I doing this for others or am I doing it for me? Well, you know, it's kind of both. And I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing simply because, yeah. you know, if, if there's a way to pay it forward and give somebody a little bit of an idea or inspiration, one, but two, a positive thought forward and also let them know that they're not alone. Indeed. I mean, this struggle is a community struggle and a lot of us struggle. And, uh, yeah. I feel like the more people sort of, um, interact within, you know, our space, the more they can learn and the more they can get inspired. And I feel like, uh, it's really sort of an effort that helps everyone. And, you know, by the way, we shouldn't feel guilty for benefiting from it either. Right. Because no, after all, we're doing something good. Absolutely true. I love the, you know, before we dive into your story, which I'm really excited to hear and, and have the listeners uh, here as well. I, you know, I used to not really dig social media. Um, I kind of, I think too many people out there peacocking around and essentially putting up a bunch of bullshit most of the time, but in the sober community, the recovery community, <laughs> I find that to be the opposite. Yeah. It's very real. People are loving and supportive in a wonderful way. And every morning and throughout the day, yeah. I go put a little love and sunshine on people by liking a, a post if they're struggling, maybe a word or two of, of support. And I find that so many people have done that for me on days that I've struggled and, and they, they come very often. So I love that the community at large is there to help. Uh, and that part of social media, I am a tremendous fan of. In fact, that's how you and I got connected. Um, you that's know, through, right. through outreach within the sober community, um, which is, which has been great, but, uh, Sober is the new cool. Kim, uh, you know, that's got, right. Got us connected. Yes. She, uh, and she's amazing. She, uh, is a bit of a matriarch, I guess. Absolutely so speak, true uh, and well deserved. Community. Yeah. And I love how she champions, you know, the millennials. You know, uh, that is a generation I feel like that could actually spread the word further and deeper uh, and bring a lot of street cred to actually what we're trying to do. You know, it's, AA isn't full of all these old fogies who, you know, are bitter and, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it's funny too, because I saw a pod or heard a podcast where there were millennials kind of talking about, you know, it's, it's AA is, is not a bunch of old people. It's, it's kind of everybody and it's all inclusive. And that's what I, I loved about, you know, the idea that when, Kim goes on and she is so inclusive and so loving that, you know, Absolutely it's true. one of those things that that was sort of what encapsulated sober press was try to be all inclusive. You and, have to be. 
uh, you, you have to be because we're, you know, we're all struggling. And exactly. even if you're not sober uh, or if you're not, you know, having an addiction problem, you know, I think uh, mental health awareness, uh, first and foremost, is actually the root of a lot of problems. So, Indeed. I think uh, my show, the Dismantle Life Podcast, right, um, is I, I'm recovery agnostic. And I tell people, you know, if some people say I didn't go to AA, I'm like, I didn't go to AA. I, I don't, what, your path is your path. Let's talk about your recovery. You don't have to fit into my yeah. or anybody else's model of recovery. And, I, and, and I'm very proud to say that because being recovery agnostic, supporting whatever effort, journey, or path people take to get and stay sober is the one that I want to hear about. I don't care if you did or didn't do this or did or didn't do that. That's irrelevant to me. I want to hear, you know, what, you know, how'd you, how'd you get there? Let's, let's talk about that. And, and I love it. And I would never disparage, dismiss, or disqualify anyone for not having gone or taken a certain path. I, I don't care. In fact, I didn't exactly. take that, but I would call you know, the uh, AA path. path to the end. Of recovery is a path that is well suited for each individual, no matter what it is. Absolutely. Man. And, um, you know, uh, AA was my path, you know, recovery, yeah. um, having a sponsor and that kind of thing. Which is wonderful. I, I do struggle with it because it is very, very old school and it can be uh, seemingly exclusive, uh, you know, in some ways, but, you know, Whatever. Hey, listen, that I, aside, uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, mean, I feel like whatever works for you is something that yeah, you do that. The path is the path. The way is the way. Whatever that means to the person mm -hmm. in on the recovery journey. And there's a reason people still do push-ups. It's because they work. You do sit-ups because they work. You know, I would never uh, be disrespectful or dismissive of AA. They have proven millions of times that it works if you work the steps and, and, and embrace mm -hmm. them. And, and I, I am all, all for it. I didn't take that path, but God bless people that have, but I did. Yeah. I, I have gone through my journey and um, I'm a better man for it. I really am a better man for it. Uh, and yes. I've come to enjoy the struggle on my side. Like I embrace the struggle because I try to refocus the, that struggle into other positive outlets, boxing, biking, walking, I've taken on like more mountain biking and damn near killing myself on a regular basis, but I'm loving it. <laughs> it you know, reading and, and being less materialistic. And by that, I mean, getting rid of, we've moved, we've gotten rid of tons of material weight and all kinds of good things to kind of bring it back to, I'm not even going to say neutral man, but like to a very basic life. And it has been, it's been all the difference. Um, yeah. I, I totally believe in, in really sort of, Pairing life down because things equal stress. Yeah. You know, the more things there are. And, you know, I'm still in the process of like shedding, shedding some of that. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm single. I live in Austin. I've lived in the same house for 20 years. And uh, awesome. it's, it's a very small, humble home. But, over the years, you just collect stuff and it's like, <laughs> ah, it's cluttered again. Not. Yeah. Now, time to get rid of shit, you know? Yeah, dude, absolutely. So I, there was a, uh, there's a, we talk about one bar and not, not to promote a bar, but I was in Austin, um, first of all, a couple of times. And one of the times I was there when uh, Texas won the national championship 
it, mm. I was actually in town with you guys won the game. It was an away game, of course, because it was a national championship, but I was in town for that. And then there was another place that we had gone to and I'm not talking about beating my chest about drinking, but there was a place that did this thing called chicken shit bingo, which <laughs> dude, amazing. <laughs> <James> Longhorn. <laughs> it's amazing. There. Yeah, man. It was like, were, this is the coolest over when you went there. God, no, not even uh, close. Uh, this was years ago. And no, I was on a rampage bender, cars. but yeah, uh, I don't want to promote drinking or anything, yeah. but I do have but to say in that, bars, that, that was is uh, a quintessential sort of Austin uh, uh, thing. Yeah. And you know, it happens on Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's big. If, if you like rockabilly culture, you know, that's a, also a huge um, way to, you know, really imbue yourself in, in that culture. You know, it's, it's fun. It's like Austin still has like a lot of its roots showing, but it's slowly beginning to dissipate. And yeah. it's, it sucks in a way that, you know, the way COVID happened, a lot of in, the independent businesses are suffering. Hang on a second. I got dogs. But yeah, um, a lot of independent businesses that sort of define Austin are beginning to go away, which sucks. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I think uh, in the end, really, uh, it's the people in the culture that define it. So it's a great city. It, it really is a great city. It's gotten to be incredibly expensive to buy or live there these days. Some friends of mine have moved there, but. It is yeah. traditionally, it has always been one of my fave cities and, and not because, um, and forget about the drinking stuff. Like this is, I, I've only been there when I was drinking this, I've been sober about three years now, but what I do wow. love about Austin is it's very true to itself and yes. you can go there and people are welcoming. And at the same time, it's so unique that there's always some interesting stuff to find. I mean, that chicken shit bingo is a perfect example in the Rocky yeah. Billy culture and the university there. So it, it's a, it's a great city. Um, anyone listening that argues with that, I think needs to go and visit Austin if they've never been. It's truly amazing. Yeah, um, I love it. My I've been here uh, almost 21 years now. So. That's awesome. I love it. So let's yeah. talk about your journey, man. Like what was life like before addiction, um, like pre-addiction and not medically speaking, but just like what, what was life like sure. before you, I'll say, became an alcoholic. And, and let I just say that meaning that we're probably always like for me, I've always been, always will be. I just don't drink now. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, alcoholism runs through the family. And yeah. uh, I was always warned about that that gene. You got the gene, Mike. You got to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. I do as well. And but, I hit um, it hard. <laughs> I was, yeah, so did I. But, um, you know, I, I didn't really start drinking until I guess I was 26, 27 years old. I'm 53 now, but um, I lived in Atlanta. I, you know, graduated from a very small school, Kennesaw State University. I um, was really passionate about art. Um, you know, I, I painted and, and drew and and did all kind of printmaking and that kind of thing. So, you know, um, in order for me to make a living, <laughs> I knew I needed to veer and sort of take a path that would uh, enable that. And, and which is good because uh, I wound up in a school that specialized in advertising, a That's trade awesome. school. And 
Um, I was pretty much clean all the way through. Um, in fact, rarely drank and rarely smoked weed. Um, but it wasn't until I actually got a legit job as an art director in Portland, Oregon is when it all really started. Um, but life in Atlanta was, uh, it was fun. I was super positive, um, had tons of friends, um, you know, uh, I was very creative. I had a lot of fun doing what I did. I it did it with passion and really none of that changed so much as, but, you know, when I moved to Portland to start my first job, I was literally thrown into the fire and, um, advertising culture i don't know if you know but you know people throw it down I mean, yeah you name it it's everywhere you know we have these little um happy hours at people's houses after work on a friday night and um you know it was every, everything <laughs> you cocaine heroin you know everything you name it and yeah. um luckily i never got into that but I did become a heavy drinker then. Um, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that there was a lot of pressure on me being the only art director in this advertising agency that was very small. It was just five of us and it was my first job. So I was like trial by fire. And then, um, you know, as we slowly grew, uh, things began to get more and more relaxed, but, you know, my, my habits and drinking, I got more and more comfortable and I started just pounding them even more. And yeah. pretty soon, you know, I'm, I'm hitting bars after work and, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time and, you know, she would nag me about how many beers I was drinking and, you know, that would just propel me to try finish them off for the whole night. But, but, you know, it was, it was, uh, at first I thought, you know, I'm just having fun. It's not a big deal. You know, everybody else is having fun too. And, but I, I guess what I'm saying is I didn't realize it sort of become a problem until I took on a bigger, more uh, important role here in Austin as a creative director, you know, and, um, you know, working on really well-known national and international clients and uh you know it never i stayed on top of work and it never really caught up with me until my later years and that's really when you know i had to go into recovery once before um and i guess i didn't take it that seriously i started drinking heavily again uh after a year at first it started slow but it just, you know, yeah. it really wound up, you know, fast after I had my first drink again. But my, um, on that day, on those days before my first recovery, um, I knew I was getting into trouble when it was Christmas break and I was hitting the Jack Daniels uh, all day long, literally. I, I'm like, ha, no responsibilities, no emails. Everybody's like on holiday. Yeah. I, I you know, I was home alone, you know. Um, and literally I would wake up, I would drink, um, maybe eat something, maybe, I don't know. Right. 
but you yeah. know, I'd pass out and repeat, you know, it was like, and you know, I, I would smoke out. It was multiple bong hits involved. Yeah. And, you know, it was, um, to me, I was, to me, I was like settling in, you know, I was unwinding and right around new year's, I decided to just stop after drinking, you know, binging, but also like for years I'd been drinking heavily every day, but then I was on this binge streak, um, for almost, you know, 10 days and I just stopped abruptly and, uh, I started hallucinating. I went into DTs. I actually drove myself to the emergency room and that was, um, kind of hit me hard that reality of uh i blacked out somewhere at the emergency room and when they gave me um, a sedative and apparently it backfired and i got really fired up and and they had to restrain me hmm. and put me in, in an ambulance to take me to a different hospital um that had more capabilities because I was in pretty bad shape. So I was in ICU for, I don't know, four days, five days and surrounded by friends. And um, it was kind of a wake up call. Um, seeing your ex-girlfriend there with her, you know, newish boyfriend and, you know, all old friends from college. I have friends that live here from college, you know um friends from portland you know um that also live in austin so it was yeah it's kind of waking up in icu and seeing all these people around me and i'm like pretty much done 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 and uh i went into rehab um immediately i took a, a bit of a hiatus from work um they were completely understanding that's good. And, you know, it's advertising. It's there are people that that have drug and alcohol problems. It's not uncommon, but they were completely supportive. Um, and I went back to work part time and um, followed through with my OP. Um, you know, I detoxed in the hospital, so it was time to do the recovery thing and yeah uh how long the I'm, iop the place go ahead how long were you uh how long was the ride before the icu like was it a five-year ride 10-year ride because I, I didn't connect maybe i missed something but so uh so um i was i want to say how old was i maybe 48 when okay. that happened so yeah. I want to say I had started drinking heavily at 26. Oh yeah. That's, um, uh, that's 24 year. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Heavily. It, it, I'm assuming that the ICU, um, obviously extremely dehydrated along with some internal organ failures and damage because of the, the level of consumption and the binge, um, among other things, no eating and, and other stuff. Like, I don't want to, we don't have to break it down, but I, I was at a similar situation with an infection that I caught because I was so drunk and coked up for so long that my body couldn't fight it off. And I landed in the hospital uh, for 11 days. And um, so I, I totally get it. And it happened when I was 
I've been sober three years, so 47. So our paths are similar in that regard. So I got the chills when you started talking about the ICU because it's frightening when in, you really do start to discover, and I did, I have in life, you really do discover who your family and friends really are. Um, if they stick around to help yes. you, not only through it, but with you after, um, that's a very telling moment yeah. in life and one that I'm and so lucky and blessed for. So. so I didn't mean to cut you off, brother. I apologize. So you, you are, you're in recovery. You, you're in the, um, the outpatient program. Yeah, it was this, I don't know, kind of new agey sort of place. Um, I guess I didn't take it seriously because they fucking made me do yoga and crap. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not meant to be a pretzel. Um, you know, uh, I, <laughs> Uh, but you know, it was great because the counselors there really cared. Yeah. I remember when I was being admitted, I was so naive. I asked, you know, I know alcohol is my problem, but is it okay if I still smoke weed? <laughs> right. yeah. I didn't like to hear that at all. No, but, I you know, say. I, I, uh, I did, I did smoke weed and it showed up of course in my urine test and, you know, and they, they counsel you about it. And I did quit weed for a small period of time. Um, when I, you know, for that time I quit drinking, I, I did, cleared it all out. And the only thing I did was smoke cigarettes. So yeah. I, I stayed clean uh, for that almost year. And, you know, my dad's health started failing and stress at work again, you know, um, it's just, it, it all started mounting and, uh, it came to the point where I was literally trembling so bad from withdrawals, uh, in the mornings that I would just have to get up and drink in the morning. And, uh, I was also remodeling my home. So, you know, uh, that, on top of my mom, you know, after dad passed, uh, mom was in an independent living facility and I was just feeling all kind of guilt for living in Austin. They live in Atlanta and I was kind of her counselor, <laughs> you know, pretend counselor, I guess every day I'd call her after work just to pile on more crap that I didn't need to pile on. And of course she was depressed. She brought me down. So, you know, all the stuff just rained down on me and I just did not know how to deal with it. And yeah. it was uh, raining chaos. And so, uh, you know, I would just drink vodka, you know, um, from the time I got home to the time I went to bed. And uh, I'd even get up early in the morning, take care of the dogs and... and I would um, continue to drink in the morning in order to get the shakes calmed down. And um, I had seizures twice where I actually collapsed and woke up. Luckily, I didn't hurt myself badly. Um, you know, I think I, I had a bloody nose and that's it. But, you know, wake up with the dog licking your face <laughs> or wake up in the dog bowls. You know, I'm also diabetic, so that, you know, you know, made things even more complicated. So 
when you're drinking straight vodka, uh, your sugar will plummet. And, um, and if you're not eating and you're just drinking vodka, you know, yeah. uh, you will succumb to some pretty nasty lows and, uh, it took its toll pretty much surmounted to me, just not showing up for work. I would call in sick and then, um, from calling in sick to not showing up at all without calling and people would call me and say, Hey, what's up, man? What's going on? What, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Food poisoning, you know, every stupid ass excuse in the book, you know? Sure. And, um, sure. finally, um, HR called me for 48 hours, two days, not being at work, um, and not calling in HR called me and I didn't answer and uh they called my best friend Will who um you know talked to the contractor and had him let me in and he found me passed out on the bed hmm. it's like two o'clock in the afternoon and that's when Will was and Will's like one of my close friends he's also in advertising and he knows he he was there when the first time and uh he's like you need to go to the emergency room man and i was like all right you know i i think then is when i was like sick and tired and i you know i just i just completely let go and i was like all right man let's go yeah and at first i was like should i pack a bag because i knew the drill you know it's not the first time so i'm like no, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm just going to show up without a bag. And uh, they interviewed me um, at first. You know, when I got there, I was still pretty wasted. And um, I told the doctor that um, that I hated my life. And that triggered a whole series of, of events that I, you know, I was like kind of regretted. I was a little embarrassed, but then uh, you had to factor in the Austin police department suicide squad came in. Yeah. There was two guys that came in, two officers that talked to me and interviewed me. And it was all because I said that I didn't intend to kill myself at all, but you know, it was one of those things that they're taking every precaution. Yeah. They take it. Very and then a social worker came in and talked to me about it. Huh? They take that very yeah. seriously. So then a social worker came in and talked to me about it. And I, you know, honestly, I was, I was very matter of fact. I said, look, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to end my life. No, I mean, it's quite the opposite. I love my life, right. but my life sucks right now. And yeah, you know, this is um, the way I've been coping. And, you know, they got me to agree to go to rehab or detox and then rehab which I did, you know, um, I totally went along with it. I was so done, so fucking done that, you know, I'm like, just show me the road. I'm going to, I'm going to walk this new road and really be dedicated. And, um, yeah. So in order to kind of, and I met my sponsor, uh, at, um, detox, um, he was one of the speakers that came in during AA meetings. He is sort of the same ilk as you and I, you know, he, he's not like the the super champion of AA necessarily. Sure. He 
says AA saved his life, but he's also like of the same ilk of, you know, if whatever, whatever the path you take and it's helping you and it, you, you get sober that way, by all means do it. AA is not always the answer. And it's not for everybody. Yeah. So I love that because my first experiences with AA and my first sponsor, you know, was bullshit. It sucked. And yeah. I, you know, I just didn't get into it. And, you know, honestly, I'm a bit against the grain, you know, that's, that's sort of me. It's the way I'm wired. Um, I don't like to be told what to do. Right. <laughs> me neither. And, uh, you know, my sponsor's the kind of guy who, who's like, I'm only going to ask you to do one thing. Just check in with me every morning with some sort of gratitude, something positive. Indeed. I think that's a big deal, man. Uh, I, one of the things like I was negative Nancy for and blamed everybody for all my shit. And yeah. And I never took responsibility for anything. I always passed the buck. It was always somebody else's fault. And I kept, you know, and I, you know, I was constantly living in a pile of shit that I not only created, but it fell into intentionally. Now that I look back on it um, after being recovered uh, or in recovery, I know that I not only made the pile of shit, I intentionally tripped myself to land in it. And when I started to realize oh, yeah. that, that, uh, and, and then I take responsibility for everything now and I own the mess. I own the stress. I own the emotion and I work through it positive, meaning I don't go run for bags of cocaine. I don't run for drinks or cigarettes. And, and that has given me a tremendous freedom because I'm responsible for the problem. I'm responsible for the solution. I don't blame anybody. I don't point fingers. And that is my eternal gratitude that not, there's lots of gratitude. I'm grateful for a lot of things, but that piece of it for me every day gives me the freedom and the strength that I need to have a great day because I'm responsible for it. Good or bad. Right. And not every day is great. I mean, let's not be honest. I don't blow smoke and I don't believe that, you know, uh, I'm not sunshine and rainbows coming out of my ass here, but so right. some days are, are, are horrible and they're the, the kids piss you off and you fight and you argue and, and it's a bad day and nothing goes great, but I don't drink and I don't do cocaine and I don't smoke. So when I go to bed, I'm like, I am grateful that I made it through the day clean, sober and smoke free. And that yeah. is amazing for, for me. So I get Mike, what you're saying, buddy. Um, At the end of the day, that's the gift is just remaining clean uh, you know, I still, I still, you know, and it's funny you call yourself negative Nancy. My theme song was negative creep by Nirvana. <laughs> it, I love you know, it. That's honestly, awesome. it, was, it, was, it was kind of, you know, um, growing up to be an adult in the Northwest, um, during that time was, yeah, man. you know, early nineties. There was a lot, a lot of, indulgence going on and you know i'm lucky that i didn't get into heroin or anything yeah. else harder um cut to what you're saying i think you know at the end of the day it's it's <clears throat> it all amounts to gratitude it's being able to reflect absolutely and saying you know what life is good you know i'm breathing in and out i you know feel like that was sort of the lesson that I needed to learn. And in some of the hardships that I had, I think were, you know, gracious because they weren't that hard. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't 
I don't think we should ever compare our experience to anyone else. Everyone else is yeah. unique and we're all unique. Yeah. And our hardships, uh, I feel like, you know, should never be compared. And that was one of the things that I hated about AA is it's, there were some meetings that go in there and it was like people like comparing scars. And I'm like, well, you yeah, know, I hate that. Uh, I don't. I'm wondering don't like if that. that's. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah. Doesn't your matter. scars are yours. Mine are mine. It's all the same war. Exactly. Right? That's right. And so I, if, if they're talking about it to say that they understand what you're, what you've been through and, and what you're going through and where you're going, <laughs> that's different than saying. So I like to, I use the term and it's, I didn't make this up, but I, I, I use the term gladiator school and I make sure that this podcast is not a gladiator school where we don't talk about how much, in a proud way, like I was able to drink this or do this or rip yeah. this. Many, none of that shit. We should never glamorize, romanticize yeah. our experience. That's right. And if as soon as you, as soon as it starts, and I'm very so sometimes to tell someone's story, they they get into the depths of the pain. And in order to do that, they have to share sometimes, very often, like w- what they went through. And that means I was drinking this many days a week or for this long during the day and that kind of stuff. But they won't, they don't say, you know, one time I did a beer bong and it was a three-story beer bong and they put a bottle of Jack Daniels in and I kicked that thing's ass. None of that <laughs> shit, you know, yeah, uh, because like, that's, I'm not here. We're not here for that. We're, we're here much like you, um, who you are now living in the sunshine of recovery, which I love. And I love. Yeah, how did we heal? You know, how did we heal? And how are we healing? Because I don't think we're, none of us are entirely healed. Yeah. And so, it's, an, it's interesting too. And, and it's something I want to bring up and get your thoughts on it. It's like, you know, on the topic of relapse, um, you know, if somebody were to relapse, you know, according to AA, it's like, okay, needle, needle back to start. Right. I don't know if I believe in that. No, I don't. I don't. That kind of sucks for people because if they've worked so hard to get to a certain point, but suddenly they have to dismiss all that time that they've been sober and worked so hard. And this is a discussion that I had with my counselor today. You know, I haven't relapsed, by the way, Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things that she's like, yeah, you know, really the, the new way to look at it. Uh, a lot of people are, are saying it's more of a lapse, not a relapse, you know, I like that. Actually. And always, that always stuck with me. I was like, well, yeah. you know, if, if I were to slip, God, that would suck. Cause I'm almost two years in now, you know, I don't think that it's going back to zero. It, it's, that's not what's important. What's important is dusting yourself off after the lapse or relapse, whatever you getting like up determine. and going again, getting up and doing it and continuing the path to sobriety, the path yeah. of living in the sunshine. That's what's important. You can't use the lapse or the relapse. You shouldn't use, I should say, I, I'm not going to say can't, you shouldn't, one shouldn't use the relapse as an excuse to just hang it the fuck up. Cause that's, right. that's the demon, you know, in your ears, barking at you to do whatever it is that you used to do. And I, and so I think if you, so one thing that I, I, I've discovered, um, I've not relapsed. I've been clean about three years. I'm not saying I won't relapse. I'm saying that at this moment, you and I talking, I have not yet relapsed and I hope that I never do. But one of the things that I have talked to people that have is they, it helps them understand what they were missing 
or cause their lapse or relapse. Meaning, like you said, if you aren't grateful, you don't show gratitude, you don't put the work in, you don't attend meetings, you don't, in my case, I like to walk, bike, and box. If I don't do those things, it begins to make it harder to have good days. And then all of a sudden, you dismiss all the great things you were doing. And then all of a sudden the demons creep in because listen, man, our addictions know us better than we know ourselves. They know what buttons to push, what levers to pull, what Mm. kind of situations to put us in so that we fail. And what's great about recovery and the awareness and the work that we put in, we can, we can steer clear of that stuff. Um, So I, I agree. I don't think starting back to zero is the important thing. And, And it's not about belittling or putting a scarlet letter on people. It's about support. It's about yeah. love, comfort, and, and being there to help I, them continue. Dude, I so agree with that. And, you know, it's that's the one thing I hate about AA is it just seems the way things are written in the big book and the way things uh, are conducted in meetings, it, it does, to a degree, backhandedly judgmental. And it seems I, I have a hard time coming to grips with it. And it's... I am looking forward to going to another meeting, I, but I, I must say I haven't been to a meeting in a, almost a year or over a year now. And, Absolutely. Uh, it's kind of weird. Do you do and, any uh, of the Zoom meetings or anything? I don't. I haven't no. done anything. I mean, I've tried to do some Zoom meetings. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fine. It's just different than yeah. not being there in person. Understood that. Um, yeah, I totally get that. I do have Understood. a home group, but they're closed. I think, um, you know, Austin's pretty shut down tight. Um, but, you know, it's funny because when I started Sober Press, it was really the impetus was to do something for myself and others. And it has helped me a lot, a lot, because now, you know, I'm, participating in the community and, and, you know, actually um, feel like, you know, one, I'm serving, you know, hopefully I I can, you know, actually inspire somebody or, you know, at least let them know that they're not alone. And I I try not to lecture. Um, I try to, you know, put my own experience as a lens and, You know, I have a series that I started and I, I don't know, my girlfriend at the time actually encouraged me to do it. And when I got sober, the hashtag, when I got sober, I still posted that hashtag, but I got rid of, I haven't done the series when I got sober. I, I think I did maybe four or five, but I'm going to, I'm going to try and pick that up again, just because I thought it helped me anyway, just to reflect on shit, you know? This is really kind of what was going on. And, you know, I have a lot, you know, to talk about. It's kind of crazy. It's a beautiful thing, though, man. Like, and I think recovery evolves for us as individuals and collectively where I'm where I'm at in recovery now is quite a bit different than three years ago when I first started. And, and that changes and evolves. I like to have so I'm first of all, I, I love what you're doing with sober press. I love the approach you take. I love the sunshine that you give and the support and the, and the gratitude that you allow others to, to give, which I think that's the important thing. It's so nice to be able to tell your story for others to consume in a positive way. And I, I really do love what you're doing, man. I, and I think that oh, it you. helps you and it helps everybody. It helps me every day. I read it every 
single day. I go and reread stories and it's, it's part of my morning routines. And I have a couple of books, Pamela Pesta's book, Harriet Hunter's book, Miracles of Recovery. Um, and, you know, so I, and, and now I've added, you know, Sober Press and, and I dig it. And there's a couple, oh, good. and I, and I love it, man. And, and that's the thing I, I, and will I do it forever? I don't know. But what I do know is I enjoy the hell of it right now. And that's good enough for me. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Anthony. You know, I try to keep the content up. Uh, you know, I had a streak for quite a while, once a week, and then there was a lapse. Um, and then uh, Kim, actually. Yeah, she's, she's great. She's so well-connected. She actually um, got in some some new stories for me, including yourself. So that for that, I'm grateful. And um it's hard. It's, it's hard to, you know, get people to actually talk about, you know, their experience. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely don't pressure anyone. Um, I might, if they show like any kind of like a glimmer of interest, you know, I might check in with them once. Yeah, of course. But other than that, you know, it's like really it's, it's on them. It's got. I, I don't ever want to pressure anyone simply because, you know, it's a, it's a, it's difficult to get out, put yourself out there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it is, it's hard. it's hard. There's a stigma that comes along with it, you know, being, you know, in uh, recovery, and that's one thing I would hope to sort of begin to, you know, at least dispel is a little bit of that dis that that stigma. And hoping that other people who maybe aren't in recovery that are in the sidelines, yeah, that do hold their scorecards, you know, can actually, you know, understand what goes on with us, you know, because we're just normal, we're regular people. It's just absolutely wired differently. No question about it. I mentioned earlier, I believe we're all sober superheroes. Being sober in, or in recovery is our superpower. And, and what I love is not, see, we have faced the demon. We, we fight with the demon every day. And we're always, every day we, we defeat the demon unless until we don't, right? And I'm not being naive and I'm, and I'm not being cocky. I'm saying that we put the time and the work in to make this our superpower. And we're conscious of it. We're aware of it. We, we work hard at being and staying in recovery. And this, the best part about all of that is we share the power of our cape, meaning we'll give it to other people if they need it to make them sober superheroes too. And that, that. Yeah, is, that's, that's, that's the that difference. And, and I, yeah. and I love that. And I, so there, I've met so many wonderful people on the recovery couple, Pamela Pest. I mean, the list goes on and on. All my wonderful guests that I've had, it's glorious. And it's truly one of the, the joys of my life every day to check in on all of my little groups that I participate in quietly and throw a like or a comment or something, um, just as myself, not as the podcast host or Dismantled Life or anything, just as Anthony. And, and I love that. And, and, I, and that is so wonderful. And I always applaud people that are on day one and they comment and they post about that. I think that there's a magic there. And then I also love the folks that say 30 years in, because people could look at that as a beacon of hope, of joy, of you can. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. It really is amazing. I never say, I I never hear anyone say that I wish I didn't recover. No, I've never heard anybody say that, (laughs) you know, like, or I didn't really like recovery. It's never the case ever.
you realize what kind of relief it is to be in recovery what kind of there is so much more freedom involved uh so much more clarity it's just a lucent life really yeah. the way it is now it's you shine it's true you know you just shine you know it's there's no other way to describe it you know when People see me and and they're like, dude, you look different. You're smiling bigger. What, what yeah. you know, what's going on? And Isn't you know, it it's like, yeah. Overall, I'm I'm a much happier, not as negative. And uh, you know, sometimes I can still be sarcastic. And yeah, you know, yeah. I'll <laughs> yeah, man. I'm I mean, still myself, but you know, I'm not like completely negative like I used to be because I was bad. I you know, I was really dark and bitter and you know i was an asshole so was i man. <laughs> I, I i burned a lot of bridges and i fucked up a lot of shit and destroyed yeah. a lot of relationships and put a lot of people through hell for no reason yeah. because i was a selfish prick and i yeah. and i i i i hope that people listening that i did that too if they listen know that i'm very tremendously sorry and, and i'm making my rounds going and apologizing to my not only my actions but you know, mm-hmm. apologizing and taking ownership of that. Uh, and yeah. it's, it's humbling and it's hard, but again, uh, I wouldn't be able to do it if I wasn't where I am now or who I am now and what I've been through because the clarity that I have in my life now is, is so much different. I don't need big fancy this. I don't need fancy that. I do, and I, it's my life is so much better and different. And I'm grateful that my wife stuck it out with me because she didn't, and all, all by all rights, she shouldn't have. You know, and I would, I couldn't have blamed her if she didn't. Uh, yeah. And she did. And my kids, you know, I, I was going down this, the wrong path as a father for them and teaching them the wrong playbook, just like I was taught the wrong playbook. And thankfully I've, I've redirected my course. I am not talking shit or blaming my father for anything. My shit was my shit. I own my shit. Yeah. But, yeah. Of you know, course you do. and, and that's part of recovery is it's the realization of, you know, you know, the things that you've done were, were not great you know, and we're riding the ship and uh, trying to, to find a better, more positive path. I think that's constructive, not only for ourselves, but yeah. those around us. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's it. It's really what it is. It's trying to be overall a better human being to ourselves first and foremost, and then everything else will come along. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I post a lot about loving yourself you know there's there's you need to be more self-aware of how you speak to yourself first and foremost you know i'm the kind of guy who has this internal voice who's an asshole who (laughs) just completely like you know shit talks me all the time yeah and you know that was sort of the purpose of the booze in 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 one way was to make him shut the fuck up and you know uh those internal voices, you know, um, got me all the time. So I post a lot about that. And, um, you know, I feel like, um, you know, if, if you have a more positive outlook, that's sort of the direction that you move, you know? So if you get up with some sort of positivity, some sort of gratitude, you move in that direction. I couldn't agree more. Um, and maybe just in closing, I just want to say that I too had, uh, and it creeps up from time to time, the negative internal speak where I shit talk myself 
or I tough guy myself or whatever the, the negative stuff, right? Yes. There's this blanket of just ugly that invades me from the inside out and it's negative mindset, negative thoughts, negative outcomes in my mind and, and all of that. And I, that's when I know I've got to like, kind of have to like shake it off. And I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. So I, I, I have to go and change my state just like he says, and I shake it off. I go for a walk I go for a bike I go for a box. I read a book, have a, whatever I have to do. I just got to kind of shake it out and then intentionally catch yeah. myself, be aware of it. And then just mm. say the opposite. So like you, if I'm, if that's starting to happen a lot, it does, if there's a lot of pressure in my life, we just moved. So I was kind of, it was starting to pile up the negative speak and things. Um, but it's an important component and I couldn't agree more. I think that you are what you think you are. So you have to be positive with yourself you, and it takes training and it's not easy to do. And it's easy to go back, no, right away. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's an important component. I think one of the most important components, you have to believe and love yourself to get through it, to get through hell. And, and what did Churchill yeah. say? If you're going through hell, best to just keep on going. <laughs> so That's right. Because at one point, you're just going to go through it completely. Yeah. Absolutely right. So That's my. Yeah. And I love it. So, and Mike, this yeah. has been awesome. It's been awesome having you on the show. It's been great to get to know you. Oh, great. Well, good. I'm glad. And hopefully you got some useful things in there. Oh, hell yeah, man. This is an awesome episode. So maybe in closing, if you could just share with folks how to find you, because I'd like them all to go and subscribe and, and follow and do all the great things for what Sober Press is doing. So if you could share with everybody real quick, I would appreciate it. Yeah. um, At Sober Press. um, That's where you'll find me on Instagram. Uh, I have a private group on Facebook. Just search Sober Press, you know, ask to join. We do uh, like to uh, try to make sure that, you know, um, you know, it's a private group. So just, you know, in earnest, if, if you're not there to solicit and, right. you know, do anything but partake in, you know, sober conversations, uh, you're, you're good to go. Um, I haven't had that happen yet. So, but I've, I've heard of it from other people that right. sometimes they'll be infiltrators yeah. that want to sell you a vacuum cleaner or something. But anyway, uh, and then soberpress.org. Uh, is the official website and you go there for um you know i, I hope inspiration that's indeed inspiration I for I feel like i feel like um the heart and soul of soberpress.org are the stories and the people that tell them and in earnest um do it in a way that um you know, there is a beginning, middle and end so that, you know, you really get an idea of how it all began, what happened and how they recovered. Um, But I also want to encourage those of you who are, you know, new to sobriety or curious to sobriety to log on and even contribute a story yourself, because, you know, there are a lot of sober, curious people out there and, I think that's, those are the hardest stories to tell. I've been, I haven't yet to get a sober curious story, <laughs> but um, I one day would love to have one. <laughs> because, you know, there are so many sober curious people out there that we just need to let them know they're not alone either. You know, if you're not quite there yet, you're not quite there. 
Right. You can't force it. it it'll come when it comes. Um, don't wait too long. <laughs> make it, make it go. But yes. for the listeners, uh, be sure to follow Sober Press on Insta. Check out soberpress.org. Contribute stories. Uh, Mike does great work, and um, I'm proud to be a part of it. And I'm very proud to have him on the show. Thanks, Thank Mike. you, Anthony. My Thank pleasure. You so much. My pleasure. Have a good night, man. You too. Peace.